0: Have you ever wondered how can you become a sex, love, and mindset coach? Have you ever read online about, you know, sugar babies and sugar daddies? And have you ever been curious about how that whole world works, how you get into it? Well, today I'm talking to love and mindset coach Sally, and hopefully she'll be able to answer those questions from, you know, her perspective, her book, and everything. She's going to tell us all the details. Let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. Today's guest is, I don't even know how to explain her. She's an entire character. She's amazing, and she has the most incredible stories. So hopefully, she'll be able to enlighten us about all the topics I mentioned. I was super happy when I think I reached out or she reached out. Basically, I posted on a Facebook group. I was looking to do this you know, Valentine's Day special episode because I want to come up with like cool topics and things that not many people talk about because I like putting myself outside of my comfort zone. So she responded, we've been talking, and for one reason or another, we've only managed until now to record an episode, but it is perfect timing because she's releasing her new program, a book, and she has so many things in the works that I'm so excited I get to share. So without further ado, let's introduce you guys to Sally, who is a love and mindset coach amongst other things. So, welcome, Sally, to the show. Thank you for having me, Sabrina. It's so exciting. I have so many questions for you. But before we start, I would love to know your story in a nutshell. I've already heard it, but tell our listeners so then we can dive deep into all the questions.
1: Well, I'll give a little bit of a backstory. So, I'm a mother. I have two daughters who are now 15 and 20. And around five years ago, You know, I was kind of like coming on a phase in my life where I was just feeling very kind of middle-aged and kind of invisible. I think I've heard a, a lot of other people say that you reach a point in your life where you feel invisible. You know, around that time, I was getting out of a long marriage and I started to date someone who kind of introduced me to a whole world that was so different from anything that I had ever known, because I had only ever known a very vanilla and monogamous relationship. You know, although my life had been very interesting up until that point, you know, I had danced professionally, actually have a burlesque troupe in New York City, traveled all over the world dancing I had a very successful career in beauty. My brand was very much in the public eye. I catered to a lot of celebrities. I was the first person who brought spray tanning to New York. I developed my own product line and I sold it on QVC in the United States and in London. So, you know, my life from the outside was pretty colorful and fabulous, but had been very monogamous. And I started dating someone, you know, quite a lot younger than me, who introduced me to a whole other world of sex parties, polyamory, and a lot of kind of like the conversation that became the groundwork for my book that I'm now in the process of publishing and the classes that I teach became the conversations between me and my then lover. You know, so he was a Latin man who did not believe in monogamy, and I was someone who was so kind of vanilla and relays and and who had been raised to be a good girl. So I I remember him originally saying to me, "Oh my God, Sally, if I were the in the position that you were in, you know, a b- beautiful woman suddenly kind of free, able to kind of just kind of date as much as you want, do whatever you wanted." I would be like the cat who ate the cream. It's so easy for women. And I said to him, well, it wouldn't be like that for you, because if you were me, you would be a middle-aged woman who had been raised to be a good good girl, and you would have no idea how to kind of tackle the world like that. So, you know, first of all, I had the advantage of being with someone who really encouraged me to have all of these different adventures and was my cheerleader in that. And we had these epic conversations. We had these epic conversations together about what it was like to be raised to be a guy, to fully sexually express yourself and what it felt like to be a woman, to be raised with a lot of good girl baggage. And the thing that I noticed was you know I have a daughter who's 20 in college and truthfully I see her friends and they might as well be my friends you know she has the little catholic girl who went to catholic child development she has a lovely muslim friend whose parents put all these restrictions on her so You know, my daughter, I think, was raised in a pretty feminist household. You know, I have a topless dance troupe. Her godmother is Regina Tomashauer, who wrote Pussy a Reclamation. You know, I have very liberal friends. But at the same time, she went to high school in suburban New Jersey with a bunch of kids who also were being raised to be good girls. So, you know, truthfully you know, like we live in an age of kind of, you know, in theory post me too, but has really anything much changed between how I was raised and how you Sabrina, who are significantly younger than me, how you were raised, you know, you know, some people have more liberal things around them, but in many ways we're really in the backwaters. And, you know, like you look at social media, you know, if it's either my friend or your friend, Sabrina, When someone, you know, suddenly gets engaged or gets married or there's a baby shower, that's when all the big lights come out. You know, so we still are so kind of conformative, even though I think those things are amazing. You know, truthfully, women are not raised to be sexually self-expressed. We haven't even really thought about what that looks like. And there's a huge amount of stigma and shame around it in many areas.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I love everything that you're saying because I totally relate to that. Before we actually dive into that part, I want you to give us a little background on what was it like, you know, running the first spray tan that you brought to New York, catering to all of these celebrities? Because I know when we were talking about it, you mentioned, you know, you got to see a lot of people naked because you had to spray tan them. Like, how was it dealing with all that? How was it creating the whole business? Like, how is it running it? Tell us a little, because to be honest, I don't know anyone that runs a self tanning business. I've always been curious. And do you, having made it so successfully, it just sounds like a party basically, you know?
1: It's an incredible story because I had the experience of having a tipping point business, you know, one of those businesses that no one's ever heard of. And then actually seeing it go from struggling and nothing To suddenly getting press, having celebrity. So I remember when I first had the idea, at the time I was ballroom dancing and I was at a ballroom dancing competition in England. So I thought, you know, well, this is something I want to have for myself because I'm so pale, you can see me. (laughs) But also I thought, you know, this is this business is gonna really take off amongst the ballroom dancing community. I went to New York. I had the idea in April by June I had opened my salon in Soho a really trendy beautiful area of New York and nobody came because there wasn't a public appetite for it so you know I started a website site I started doing publicity lucky for me I had briefly worked in beauty PR beforehand so I had a pretty good idea how to publicize the business I went through a very dark patch where the business plan just didn't succeed. And I had to actually put my house for sale. And then about you know, eight months into it, the press that I had started to do started to pay off. And I saw myself in a Lure magazine, Vogue called it the perfect tan, Modern Bride. I got it into every magazine you could think about. And then momentum started to pick up. And I remember, this is like one of the funniest stories. Before anyone started to come, sitting in my empty salon in Soho with one of my girlfriends. And I said, I wish someone would come. You know, I wish a celebrity would come. I wish JLo would come. And at the time I heard that they were about to make the movie, Shall We Dance? uh, And Jennifer Lopez was gonna star in it. And I so badly wanted to work on that movie. Mm. And I remember writing to the producers Because I was in the dance world, I actually knew some of the choreographers. I got my coach to write to the choreographers. You know, I was putting out there on every level. And then by crazy coincidence, one day there was a knock on the door. And I opened, and it was a woman who was the head makeup artist doing research for Shall We Dance?, And someone at my dance studio had given her my business card and said, you should find Sally because she understands this aesthetic. And completely randomly, they had found me. And a few months later, I was in Winnipeg working on the movie, Shall We Dance? So it was like so crazy how like the power of the mind. And then it became an incredible thing because I got to meet so many different celebrities in a very meaningful way, because it's not just like having a massage where someone closes their eyes, they're on a table. My job is to make you feel comfortable. So I would talk to everyone. I actually had the gig for a while, spray tanning for Saturday Night Live. So it was every week I would get one celebrity after the other. I got like Lindsay Lohan, I got Tina Fey, I got Jessica Simpson, like incredible, Christina Aguilera. So it was so exciting getting to meet so many people and really being in pop culture. But the most meaningful gift of all was really talking to women about how uncomfortable they were with their bodies. And I was someone who had grown up dancing from an early age, had struggled with anorexia, um, bulimia, body dysmorphia. So in some ways, it was the very beginning of my coaching practice because I really related to women and I knew how to speak to people in such a way to make them feel good about themselves. So out of that business came my next business, which was called Burlesque Bikini Bootcamp, which was basically an exercise program for women, which was just about feeling good in your body through the practice of burlesque and the art of striptease.
0: Kind of like what Carmen Electra did back in the day, right? like her videos, her VHS videos.
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about that, but I loved all of that and I loved her aesthetic yeah. and her joy.
0: Yeah, my mom had them, but she obviously never will let me watch them. I just like saw them and I was like, oh, interesting, you know, <laughs> because of the whole thing that you mentioned, you know, like good girl and whatnot. So that is amazing. I can imagine, like I can only imagine the stories that you have to tell. You probably have heard it all, seen it all and known it all. So that is Incredible. And so after this whole burlesque um, venture of being a burlesque coach and hosting these programs, was that at the time when you met that lover of yours? Was it afterwards or kind of like whereabouts in the timeline was this?
1: Yeah, it was. um, It was definitely in that period of time. um, It was definitely in that period of, of time that we met and we were friends for a long time you know, before we became lovers.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you mentioned a lot about, you know, like dealing with the whole good girl thing, because I a hundred percent relate with you. I think not just all of us, but like in society, it's a lot of shame and it's a lot of, oh, you can't do that because you're a woman or like, you oh, you can't do this. And, you know, even men, sometimes if you're like sexually open or if you're like, yes, let's do this, it'll kind of be like, ooh, but like, I, I I don't expect you to do that. You know, like, or, oh, why, why do you like that? You know, it's a bit weird. So talk to us a little bit about what you've seen from your perspective or how you've dealt with your own, oh, I want to be a good girl, but then you're thrown into this new world.
1: Well, I think that what you just said absolutely sums it up because that's the thing. You know, I mean, of course, there are many different kinds of guys, but, you know... So often, you know, we meet that guy who seems kind of like so sexually open and that they want to, you know, give you permission to be all of that. But it's like such a double-edged sword because do they, you know? And it's so, and it's so easy for someone to suddenly kind of turn on you and shame you. So I think, you know, more than ever it's really important kind of as women that we have each other's backs and, you know, kind of like we make a kind of platform, you know, for women to kind of courage and support each other in our decisions and, you know, kind of our morality because, you know, that that's the thing, you know, I mean, I, I'm just like, I'm really kind of finding it myself because,
0: yeah.
1: you know, as I speak to more and more women, like I really understand, like someone has to open up their mouth and kind of say, been there, done that, you know? And having said that, it comes with a whole host of repercussions because there really is that chorus of people who want to kind of raise their eyebrows and kind of find fault with you. Unless we're gonna always stay kind of in the virginal backwaters of subservience, Mm -hmm. you know, why should it be that a guy is allowed to kind of go out and date and experiment? And, you know, if he does something, you know, if he does something, you know, sexually avert, everyone will just go, oh, my God, he's just being a boy. And yet if a woman expresses her sexuality in any way, you know, she's a joke, she's a slut, she's a whore. Wild. I kind of like love this kind of culture of kind of like, you know, embracing your slut and whore, because it's like, you know, one of the ways that I see it is, you know, men are going to see you and use you as a sexual commodity. Yeah. It's kind of like the more you understand that and you kind of deconstruct, deconstruct it and understand it and use it for your own betterment. The better but certainly don't be shamed by it
0: Mm. I love that and I actually so a little funny story the other day I was getting my hair cut and you know I'm visiting Mexico so I don't live in Mexico anymore I live in Paris as you know which by the way great city to explore your sexuality and to be like as crazy as you want because everyone in Paris is like a little woohoo you know anyway I digress basically I'm here for a couple of months I was getting my my
1: hair where's my invite Sabrina when things open up
0: you can come visit me anytime. Oh my God, we should definitely hang out once once you know COVID is back up. Either I visit you in New York and you show me the world or I visit like, you go visit me in Paris and like I show you around. But yeah, so in Mexico here, I had forgotten you know how a little bit backwards some people are. And so I was getting my hair cut and next to me was this lady talking to the guy that was doing her hair. And she was just saying how she kept telling her nieces that they shouldn't dress the way they dress because then men will not take them seriously because they can't wear short shorts and how that makes them look like sluts and all those things. And it's their fault because men don't want to take them seriously. And I was just listening and I was like, are we in the 12th century? Like what is actually happening right now? Yeah. So, So, yeah. It's crazy. But for you, so how did you actually deal with this whole dichotomy of beliefs, right? Like here you are with your fabulous lover, who's like, go experiment, go do this, go try it out, go to sex parties, go to whatever. And then on the other side, you're like, no, but I'm a good girl. I'm not supposed to do that.
1: Well, I think for me, you know, I was very, I was very much in love with this person. And you know, really wanted to kind of go on that journey, you know, partially to please them. So I'm not going to say that that's uh, right or wrong, but I'm going to kind of, I I think that that explains my kind of entryway into that world, because I think there had to be a pretty juicy carrot to kind of explore those Mm -hmm. waters. So for me, I think like that's, you know, I was with someone who I love very much and who ultimately like I really wanted to please. I think that explains like how I got into it. And I then again, I also feel like, you know, because obviously like I know so many women in that world and I feel like if you have a really supportive partner, you know, it can be a really amazing and healthy thing, you know, that. Like everything, there's kind of a good, a bad, and an ugly to it. So, you know, I got into it with someone who was loving and made me feel good in that world at, at, at the time and for a moment. But then I also do see people in that world, I see a lot of women kind of being used, used as pawns. Because that world is a very fun world for men who are with with someone, because basically you need a really good female partner to have access to that world. So I see like a lot of guys kind of like using women and women not necessarily having a very good time. And so for me, that was the reason when I first went to a party, I was kind of like, you know, an observer. And I thought to myself, hmm, you know, this is interesting But to me, this what I'm seeing here isn't the kind of sexuality that I think is sexy for women. You know, I saw kind of a lot of kind of acting out of kind of bad porn. And I thought to myself, I don't really know why these women are here. And the only thing that I could kind of, the only way that I could understand it is they were going along with a man's game. And so for me, Because already, like, I felt like kind of a leader of women. I already had my own women's groups. So it kind of was a natural no-brainer for me because, you know, like, I don't take things lightly. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, there is something here. A bit like, you know, how people say, you know, like a lot of porn caters for men, which obviously it does. Mm -hmm. And I would always hear about porn made for women. Though I never really saw anything... That I liked whenever I saw porn that was made for women, like the plot line was so long, I kind of wanted them to get to the dirty part quickly. <laughs> but I, you know, the producer part of me was like, you know what? I want to create an erotic party that is erotic for women, but it's fun for men too. So that was kind of like my starting point.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, the only thing I have to go by for a sex party is, you know, that movie Eyes Wide Shut, Eyes Wide Open with Tom Cruise. Obviously, that's not necessarily what all sex parties look like. So can you illustrate a little bit about what goes on in a sex party or what people can expect if they go to? Because people listening might, maybe they've gone to it, maybe they know someone that's gone to it. But again, we go back to this whole thing of it's kept hush-hush, right? Like you're not openly saying, yeah, I went to a sex party last week and it's like, oh, yeah, I hung out with friends, right? So what goes on in those parties?
1: That's a beautiful question. Well, first of all, There are many, many, many different kinds of sex parties. There are swinger parties, you know, where it's like, you know, you think of like conventional, perhaps older couples Mm -hmm. who go and swap partners. There are things called sex positive parties, which are kind of usually kind of like the more younger parties, which in theory are open and embrace all kinds of sexuality. And it's supposed to be in a very kind of consent based format, format. There are kink parties. To do with bdsm and any kind of kink and those parties often are not necessarily actually sexual they're more to do with kind of role play and power dynamics there are tantra parties you know kind of with more kind of like tantric kind of rituals uh you know there's so many different kinds of parties there are parties in hotels where people just kind of go to the bar for drinks and then suddenly everyone's in a hotel suite and kind of gets naked. Mm -hmm. There are parties such as in New York, um, Chemistry and Wonderland, where it really is like this huge party with kind of like a DJ, a lounge area for drinks, a separate play area where people go to kind of like get it on. You know, the younger parties are definitely consent-based where there is usually a speech at the beginning about what it means to give consent. And there are consent monitors walking all around. The thing that I would say is to any woman is if a guy just invites you to any kind of sex party, I would really suggest not going unless you really are in a relationship with them or really in some kind of friends with benefits situation that you feel very, very comfortable and you really work out the parameters of what you are comfortable with. You know, like, okay, we're going to go together and we're just going to be voyeurs or we're going to go and we're going to just do something together. Or we're going to go and no hold holds bars. You can just abandon me and go off and fuck a bunch of different women. Mm-hmm. Because that is what the guy may have in mind. And he may well be using you as a porn. So one of the things that I did when I had my party, which is kind of how I got into coaching dating and being a love coach, is because I spoke to so many women, was every single woman who came to my party... I would either have her in a pre-party class or I would pick up the phone and have a conversation with her, a long conversation with her about what to expect at my party and how to enjoy the party. Mm. And for her to really understand, it's fine to just come and be a voyeur. It's fine to come and enjoy things at the beginning of the party, like you know, maybe get a little massage, maybe listen to the DJ and dance or talk to someone. But just because you see other people doing things doesn't mean that you have to jump in and do it because you may feel horrible the next day if you go home on your own. So, you know, like that was my whole thing. I as a woman thought what was the worst case scenario as a woman, and I did not want any woman to experience that. I really wanted a safe space where women could come, dress sexy, have lingerie, Have different experiences that they were receiving, kind of like touch, or maybe someone's feeding you a grape, or you're getting a fire massage, or maybe you're skinny dipping in a jacuzzi. Mm -hmm. But you do not have to go any further than that if you wanted. So, for example, I have a lot of friends who will come to my party just to meet people that then they would later go on dates with. And I have friends who got married or who are living with people who they met at my party. So it's not for everyone that you just go to an erotic party to just go and get naked and join an orgy. It could mean a lot of different things. Like it could be a really beautiful place to meet people. But I really wanted to make sure that women knew how to enjoy the experience safely.
0: I love that. And this is, I have to say, it's the first time that I've heard about it in this sort of perspective. Because like you were talking about, you know, like in these hush hush aspects, at some point, a friend of mine was like, Oh, my God, we should go to the sex club together. I really want to go. And I was like, I'm not sure because that seems very sleazy. Like it's one of those places for like tourists where you know that things are like, it's not going to be the best of places. And other than that, you know, i had never heard anyone say, Oh, it can be really nice and fun experience. It had always been something like, guys friends or like guys whatever would be like oh my god let's go to a sex club and like let's hook up with like 20 women or whatever it is so I had never even considered it as a possibility that it could be so nice so fun so just like out
1: of curiosity you know yeah you have to really know what you're going to because truthfully I think once you know how to navigate those waters you can really have an enormous amount of fun without necessarily embroiling yourself in the orgy, like whatever is comfortable for you, Mm -hmm. because there are some parties that have amazing DJs. You know, actually, I feel like in that whole world of erotic parties, you meet some real high flyers, because I feel like people who, you know, want the best in life, in business, in, you know, every aspect of their life, may have some pretty specific tastes that they want to really enjoy everything, you know, in their erotic life. And there's no shame with that in a consent-based environment where everyone is there of their free will and really understands consent. But my problem is when You know, I see it so often kind of online on dating sites, you know, guys who just want a girl to go with them to a party and then the girl is so out of her depth. So then you see someone drinking too much, doing drugs, just to kind of like cope with being an environment that's so out of their depth that they didn't want to be in. So it was always my intention for people to really understand what they were coming to Mm -hmm. because that party, anyone could enjoy it. But just know at a certain point in the night, things were going to get heat up and it was going to become sexual in nature and that maybe that's your time to leave or just to really understand. I want to be a voyeur and to know when I want to get my Uber home. Hmm.
0: Okay. I love that. So tips for people, you know, obviously once COVID stops because COVID right now, it wouldn't be as, you know, safe or whatever it is, depending on where you are in the world. But what would be some tips that you could give people that maybe are curious enough to think about those things might be thinking, well, you know what, this sounds interesting. Like I might want to try it. How do you go about finding things like that? How do you even go about thinking about it, right? Because you mentioned the first thing is knowing your boundaries and knowing what it is that you want. So what would be your tips to thinking about knowing what you want?
1: Well, I think for women, before you even contemplate something like going to an erotic party, the way that women date in general, you know, of course, this is, you know, not everybody is like this, but a lot of women that I come across and I talk to women a lot about dating, You know, although, you know, there are some people who want to find this juicy, delicious lover, I think more often than not, a lot of women women want to find a partner, you know, even if they're not ready to get married. But they want to kind of have like this lovely boyfriend who they have amazing sex with, they fall in love with, and they do fun things with.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that, you know, in general, that's kind of like the design of women, you know, since we were cavemen like men were born to kind of propagate the seed and women are the ones who have children. So it's in our DNA that we are more likely to want a more protective relationship because a biological clock is ticking. And, you know, at some point we may want to raise children. And so as a result, we tend to date for the whole package. And I really think, that if a woman gives herself the gift of giving herself a period of time that she dates just to explore her own sexuality she's giving herself a huge gift because when you try to date for everything you know one size doesn't fit all so kind of like first of all you really need to spend some time kind of really thinking okay well, what is the emotional feeling that I want to have in partnership? And what are some of the sexual feelings that I'd like to explore? What are some of my fantasies? And most women have no idea how to even kind of start to think about that, you know, what they might be experiencing. Because, you know, we're not raised that way. Like, you know, that's dirty, that's taboo. So to really start to kind of explore what are some of my kinks, what are some of my fetishes I mean god that sounds like way too much even saying that but to really kind of start to kind of wrap your head about that and one of the homeworks that I give some of my students is to look on the website fetlife .fetlife www.fetlife.com because You know, when I first went on that site, I was like, oh, my God, this is too much Mm -hmm. because you see like a lot of ads for BDSM and very kind of dirty, raunchy, pornographic things. But if you just sit with it and you start to kind of fish around and you look at people's profiles, people in the kink world, and it's it's kind of like the Facebook for kinky people, people in the kink world will give enormous voice. To what they want and what they're looking for. So you'll see, like, a girl who represents as a kitty, or a guy who wants to be the baby boy to somebody, or a woman who is looking for a gentle dom. Like, you see so many things, or, you know, someone who presents as a toddler, like, the things they like are crayons and Mary Jane's, and they don't drink adult beverages. So like when you first look at that, it's so easy to kind of like raise your eyebrows and go, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. That's kinky, that's whatever. But if you really actually sit with it and you take away any judgment, it's just because we're not raised to talk that way. If you really actually sit with it, look, here are adults. You know, they may not be 20 and beautiful. They may be, you know, older or not what you think is conventionally sexy but they are giving voice to what they want emotionally and sexually. And the thing is, once you learn to ask what you want using adult words, and seek, can really seek it out in a safe space where other people are in a forum looking for things, then you begin to have like the answer to, you know, like your questions. So kind of like right now, how people date, It's kind of like before COVID, it was like, go on Tinder, maybe go for two or three dates if you're lucky that you date that long, get shit-faced and fuck. Like that's dating. How do you in any way know if, you know, kind of your sexuality is aligned with that person? You know, oh, I think Mm -hmm. you're hot. But what do you want from that person? Listen, I'm not knocking any of that, but I'm just kind of like looking for... A way for women to really think oh my god what would I want what would be sexy for me you know not just oh that guy's cute but it's like maybe once you start dating that cute guy kind of asking him you know well what are you into and you start to have these playful conversations and then you go so far as thinking oh my god what would be a hot scenario for me with that guy I find cute. And you start kind of playfully talking about that kind of thing and finding out if you have common ground. So to me, that's the beginning of a woman like starting to kind of take charge of her sexuality. Because one of the things that I always think about is like, look at the verb to fuck. It's like men fuck and women get fucked. Well, maybe a woman doesn't want to just get fucked. Maybe a woman has this amazing idea of, like, this whole beautiful erotic scenario that she wants. She doesn't want to just get drunk and go to a room and have a guy do what he thinks he wants to her. Like, that may work out amazingly. You know, sometimes you meet someone when the chemistry is great and it's wonderful. But just like cooking, sometimes you don't just want to go to the fridge and take out a piece of bread and cheese. Sometimes you want to go to a Michelin starred restaurant and have this crazy feast for yourself so the thing is guys are thinking about this they're thinking you know like you know they say you know men think with their dicks you know men are watching porn they're like always thinking what do i want to do what would be hot for me they have a list of prospects of women that they want to kind of date and do dirty things to and i'm just kind of making the case first of all Before a woman even thinks about going to a sex party, a sex party is not the answer to all your prayers. The first thing is just start to kind of think who you are sexually. Give yourself permission to think about that and have a little personal exploration, like slowly and quietly and privately, because that is where the nitty gritty is. And really sadly for most women, you know, like so many women... Like I'll talk to them and they're like, but I want to find a partner. Like they're so afraid to take six months, a year to do this kind of exploration for themselves because they so want to find a partner. And then they worried why they're kind of sexually bored later because they haven't had all these conversations with their partner or even thought that maybe with a partner, they might want to someday explore this whole kind of sexual other world. Which I kind of feel like if more people did, then there would be kind of less divorce in the world. Because I think that when a couple explores it together, it can be just like the most beautiful erotic thing that could keep things like alive and sexy and juicy for people for so long without two people cheating on each other. But it has to be done right.
0: Wow, you've said so many things. My mind is like (laughs) blown I know you teach a lot of different ways to date and you teach, you know, all about dating and we've kind of heard a little bit of your opinions and thoughts on it over the past couple of minutes, but what are the different ways that you recommend people date? Like, can you talk to us a little bit about that or like your
1: dating philosophy in general? Well, I'll, I'll break it down kind of quickly to you. So I kind of, first of all, think that you have to the first step that I said to you, you know, kind of really thinking, like, who am I sexually? Mm -hmm. And not just who am I sexually, what do I want to feel? Like, do I want to feel babied and taken care of? You know, do I want to feel powerful and strong? You know, to really kind of do, like, a little deconstruction of yourself and really kind of think, well, what do I want to, to feel? And then the second step is I do this thing where I help women create an alter ego for themselves which I call a magical being. So I kind of play this kind of, kind of silly game where you say, if I were to have a do-over in life and I could be anyone I wanted to be, I could live in 18th century Venice at the time of the courtesans. I could live in Paris in the 1920s. I could live in Los Angeles in 1970 and be all Zen and live in a white minimalist house what would my persona be and what would my life look like? And you kind of really flesh out this magical being and you really kind of like think, you know, how does she dress? You know, who would her lover be? What kind of house would she live in? What perfume would she wear? What would she eat for breakfast? And you have enormous fun thinking of this very colorful persona. Doesn't have to be a femme fatale. It could be a tomboy. It could be androgynous. But you start to kind of give yourself like this bolder set of shoes to step into for your dating life, your business life. And also in so doing, you kind of think, what do I want my life to be be like? Rather than this bland thing of, oh, my God, I just want to meet the one and start to date. You're thinking, fuck, no. I'm going to be this bad bitch. I'm going to be my magical being. And what does she want in life? Because maybe she wants to go and live in Paris for a year. Maybe she wants to, you know, have a foundation and help migrant children. So you start to think of all those things. And then you start to do do due diligence. First of all, this thing that I told you, dating for sex, you set aside a bit of time to date, to kind of find out who am I sexually, like, you know, so you start to make yourself kind of sexually full because otherwise the first guy that you meet when you're out there trying to kind of meet the one, it's kind of like you had half a glass of champagne and you're a 14 year old girl. You know, the sex, it has so much power over you. You're like, Oh my God, does he like me? You know, no guys just fuck. He doesn't like you. You know, like you have to learn, you know, like you le- have to learn how to have power over your sexuality, to understand what a freestanding sexual experience is. So that then, like, if you find someone you really like, you know how to slow down and take your time and have sex when you're really ready with that person. So that's the first step. The second step sounds really shocking. Um, It's dating for money. Mm -hmm. And the reason I teach dating for money, which is kind of funny for me in my real life, I have never dated for money in my life. Like I'm very much like, you know, I've had like three crazy passionate loves in my life and none of them have been at all like superficial or for anything. Like I believe like I can make my own money. But having said that, I feel that by going in places where you on purpose are kind of allowed to date for money, something like a sugar baby website or... Well, let's just leave it at that because that's a very easy container to put it in. You learn so much about kind of asking, negotiating. Also, you kind of see a little bit of the grimy side of life. I feel like you see kind of like the worst underbelly of men. And I feel like that kind of pulls the lid off things because you see these men who do want to use you as a pawn. So I never say that you have to go through with anything. It's not like I'm advocating some kind of form of prostitution at all. But I'm just saying by going through a period of time where perhaps you try and date on some of these websites, it may be that you never go further than having a conversation or having a glass of wine or a meal with someone. But you just kind of learn by fishing in those waters. You start to see a certain way that a lot of guys communicate. And it's like a huge learning curve. And having said that, I want you to know, like, I'm not that person who thinks, oh my God, all men are bad. You've got to learn how to date like a man. Not at all. Like, I feel like, you know, I was raised with amazing men in my life. Amazing dad, amazing grandpa, uh, all of my lovers amazing. You know, I'm not that woman who's angry at men. But having said that, a lot of men are players. So one of the real central things that I teach is I feel like a woman should have game. That doesn't mean she should date like a man, but she should be savvy. She should understand that a game is being played. And the minute you know a game is played, you can have a bit of sense of humor about it. And you decide how you lay your chips on the table. Not from this angry defensive point of view, but it's just like, hey, there's a game going on. I'm gonna play too. So that's the thing. A little experience, build up your magical being. Experiment with dating for sex. Experiment with dating for money. And then the next phase on my journey is just go not really dating for love because I feel that puts too much pressure. It's like just go out and date to have a nice time, date to have beautiful experiences, date to expand your platforms, all the big things you want to do in the world. And after you've dated for sex and after you've dated for money, you'll know who you are. It's just going to happen. Like, I fully believe that. And I see it in my practice so much, like people, you know, making these amazing relationships, uh, proposals, people getting married. So, you know, it's kind of like slightly an unconventional route, I definitely do not believe in kind of the matchmaker route where you say, oh my God, this is my ideal person. This is what I want. And someone goes out and finds it for you because that's just like leaving you staying as this kind of like naked infantile person with no game. Like at the end of the day, you have to go out in the world and get messy and go through your own kind of ninja warrior trial by fire. But my whole thing is you don't have to get jaded. You don't have to get burnt out it can be like this really fun, beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm kind of vouching for because I see so many friends of mine who 10 years ago, 15 years ago, wanted a lover, wanted that great love of their life. And they're still there single with their list of must-haves of this perfect guy that they want to meet who doesn't exist. So that's why I have this kind of very kind of practical kind of ninja warrior training camp of things to do. And it's like, do that. And I defy you not to have some really hot experiences and come out just feeling entirely differently about yourself at the other end.
0: Oh my God, I love that. Honestly, I'm going to go have to listen to this episode multiple times after it's aired and even before to kind of like write down everything that you've said, because I think, you know, you're filled with knowledge and I'm definitely sure people were, will resonate and like this. Maybe, you know, the part about the sex parties, maybe they're going to resonate with, "Ooh, I've always thought about being a sugar baby. Maybe I should try it. Maybe they want to find love and they're resonating with the whole part of, yeah, I want to go out and explore. I think you've touched on a lot of different points that a lot of different people can relate to. So I know you're launching a book Tell me a little bit, why is going to be included in this book? Is it going to be just like filled with all of your life stories, incredible life stories, teaching moments? Like what is it going to be about and where can
1: people find it? When can people find it? Well, the book is called The Cleopatra Card. And basically it's called The Cleopatra Card because in my dating practice, when women like have someone that they love, and the guy is losing interest in them or, you know, something terrible is going on in their marriage or whatever, people would always say to me, what is the, what is the one thing I can say or do to rescue the situation? And I have always kind of had as my mascot, Cleopatra, the ancient Egyptian queen, because she was someone who really thought, what do I want in life? Not just in love, You know, she, you know, knew that it was, she knew that she wanted to ally with Rome. So she went in a laundry basket and got herself Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar got assassinated. She didn't care that the next person in power was his bestie, Mark Anthony. You know, she lured him onto her gilded barge, you know, dressed as the goddess Isis, staged the whole show, knew that he was a womanizer, so knew that he was someone that she could catch. So my whole kind of role model has always kind of tongue-in-cheek been, you know, Cleopatra, because she was a woman who was a player. So in my dating practice, you know, saying, knowing how to say or do exactly the right thing, being a woman with game, is called playing the Cleopatra card. So in my book, I really kind of break down my whole dating methodology, which is this whole thing about, you know, becoming a magical being learning baby steps of how even if you're not an experienced data how to relate to the opposite sex and this book is really written for straight women or by women dating men just to kind of like let that be out there and then I put you through the set, steps how do you find the feelings that you're looking for mm-hmm. how do you date for sex how do you experiment with dating for money then how do you learn all of these things that I call the Cleopatra card steps. How do you learn these crazy secrets to make anyone fall in love with you and stick? Like it's some crazy, crazy, some crazy game. And then one of the things that I say is the world is not ready for you. So, you know, just like I'm having this conversation with you, I understand that for a lot of women, I'm not trying to write this political manifesto where I'm trying to change the world and break down barriers and allow women and men to be fully equal because, you know, we are so in the backwaters. And although I wish that would happen, that's not really what I'm trying to do, although I want it to be that way. I'm just trying to put this kind of secret Bible in the hands of women so that they can have more fun and get what they want. So, you know, that is gonna be in the book. And just right now, it's with a literary agent. So, you know, hopefully in the next few months, it will be out there. And in the middle of April, I'm starting something called the Year Sensual, where it's a chance for women to kind of be on a one-year journey with me. It's gonna be kind of like a membership so that women can do this in sisterhood together with a timeline because I used to always teach this as a 10-week class which was amazing but the fact is I kind of feel like in a one-year container it's a way better chance for me to say well you've got to do this by then you've got to do that by then and for people to really kind of reap the reap the rewards in a way more juicy way
0: Everything sounds so amazing. I cannot wait to read your Cleopatra card book. So I hope I'm the first person you message once it's out because I will definitely go and find it somehow. <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to, you know, get to know a little bit more about you, sign up for this amazing one-year program? Like how How do people get in touch with you?
1: My company is called Seraphina's World. S-E-R-A-F-I-N-A-S W-O-R-L-D World. So my website is www.sarafinasworld.com and it's called Sarafina's World because when I started this journey my magical being is called Sarafina. So you know my world you know when it's not a pandemic is I do a lot of really fun thing for fun things for women and couples. I Throw my amazing party. I produce a burlesque show in New York where women get to put their magical being on stage. In 2022, I'm going to take a bunch of women to Las Vegas to bring their magical beings to do a striptease in Las Vegas. I do retreats, I do classes in New York City. So, Serafina's World, I feel like words only go so far. Serafina's World is kind of like a laboratory where women can practice all this stuff through practical experiences rather than just me sitting you down in a classroom saying, well, this is the Cleopatra card. So no, you're going to come to my party. You're going to come to my retreat. You're going to strip in Las Vegas and we're going to see who your magical being really is. So I like to get people a little messy.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. Honestly, I cannot wait for COVID to be over so that I can actually go and meet you in real life. I literally meant it when I was like, you either come to Paris or I go to visit you and we'll do fun things. So 100% fun. We're going to do both.
1: We're going to do both.
0: Yes, 100% that is happening. Okay, so we have talked about amazing topics today. Now is the most fun part where I get to know a little bit more about your personality by asking you a couple of rapid fire questions. So are you ready? Should I be nervous? (laughs) No, it's fine. Just tell me the first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Right. Okay, first question is what person dead or alive would you love to have dinner with if you could? Cleopatra I knew you were going to say that but I was like I have to ask it it's my mom's favorite question so you know she listens to these she has to know love love that okay if money and COVID were not a problem right now where in the world would you like to go and
1: why? the island of Calabra off the coast of Puerto Rico because it was the last place that I went right before the pandemic and I just have such amazing memories of it it's a beautiful island I love that Okay. What word would describe you? Oh my God. Oh my God. That's a difficult one. Vivacious.
0: Okay. That's a good one. First time I've heard anyone say that one on the podcast. So kudos to being original. (laughs) Okay. Brittany or Christina Aguilera?
1: Brittany, bitch.
0: (laughs) Yes. Gotta love her. Okay. Favorite music, favorite type of music.
1: Oh, my God. That's a difficult one. Oh, my God. What am I listening to right now? I'll go with Latin. I'm, I'm, I'm a dancer, like a a dancer. So like a, a lot of Latin in my personal repertoire. Yeah. Okay. Biggest dream. Oh, my God. Biggest dream right now. Uh, no. Biggest dream to end the suffering of farm animals.
0: I love that. 100% agree with you on that. Would you rather have time, love, or money? Love. I agree. I relate to that. And last one, who inspires you?
1: Who inspires me? My dad. My dad. He lives right next door to me, and he's just like the most amazing person and role model. I'm so lucky to have such an amazing person in my life. My best friend.
0: No. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet and so nice that you get to live next to him as well. That's so cute. Okay, Sally, it has been amazing having you on. Oh, my God. I feel like this topic and this episode is going to be the juiciest one of all. And I already know you kinky little listeners are going to love it because every time I mention sex or dating or whatever it is, you just, like, gobble it all up. So cannot wait for this one to come out. Uh, at the time of recording, it is March 15th, and I think this might be released before the end of the month because I know we talked about it. So I'm very excited to get this one out there so that you guys can listen to it. Get to know Sally hopefully sign up for her program because I believe you are going to change a lot of people's lives. So thanks again for coming on. You can all find the link to Sally's website on the description. So you don't have to even listen back to this and try to find it. It's going to be linked. If you have any questions or if you have any comments, if you want to chat or whatever it is, you can also feel free to send me a message at pretty sure podcast on Instagram. I always respond. That also goes, if you want to be a guest, you know, Sally knows, very open to people coming on and talking about their passions. I love, this is what I like about podcasting. And I'll say that really quick before we go. I love how all of my guests, end up teaching me something. Every single person I ever interview, they just end up teaching me something. I've learned now about sex. I've learned about sex parties. I've learned about finances. I learned about being an influencer, writing a book. So many things that I've learned that's just one of my favorite things. But without further ado, thank you so much, Sally, for being on here, for being so candid and open and honest. And I hope everyone has a lovely day. I'll see you next time.